Well, good evening. Welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study and devotion time. Uh, we are continuing tonight in the, our looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we are particularly in the Beatitudes. Uh, the, this is the kind of the introduction to Jesus' sermon, and and uh, we said this each week. Want to keep on emphasizing this that uh, the Beatitudes are uh, New Testament style proverbs. They are st short statements of, um, of what it's like to function properly in the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling us that this is how the kingdom operates. Uh, we look forward to a time when God's kingdom operates on earth as it does in heaven. And the, the Beatitudes, and in fact the entire Sermon on the Mount, is, is intended to give believers guidance on what that looks like even as we wait for the coming of Christ and wait for the establishment of his earthly kingdom uh, we can learn to live in the way that um, that the kingdom operates and so the, the Beatitudes are short statements they can be remembered easily uh, and they are just packed with insight and meaning and uh, this, we will be looking at the fourth Beatitude tonight uh, and that is the Beatitude of blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness Last week we looked at the beatitude of blessed are the meek, and we talked about that uh, the, the meek are not weak. They are as quiet strength, and uh, we, we looked in detail at what that means. We're going to look in detail tonight at what it, looks, what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. So the, the, uh, the beatitude that we're looking at is Matthew chapter 5, uh, and it's verse 6. And so that's coming up on your screen, so this is what... This beatitude says, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Again, a very uh, succinct statement, uh, but we are going to unpack the meaning of this tonight. And uh, to properly understand this beatitude allows the Christian to properly understand what it means to... to uh, live in a righteous condition and to do right things and so we need to be sure that we have it the understanding in the correct order so that we don't frustrate ourselves and go chasing off after uh, ideas that uh, are not in that are not biblical and certainly are not kingdom oriented okay so we want to review what it means the the, the form of the beatitudes they all start off with uh, blessed are they or blessed are those and the word blessed uh, is more than happiness. It certainly is a pleasant emotion, just like happiness. But we've said each week, and, and we, I'm going to keep on emphasizing this, uh, because uh, happiness is an emotion, is a pleasant emotion. Nothing wrong with being happy. But it is a pleasant emotion that is based on circumstances. In other words, I, I will be happy, I will have a pleasant emotion of happiness if the, if the circumstances are pleasing and enjoyable but my happiness may be done away with and it may be blocked if my circumstances are not pleasing so being blessed is more than happiness it is a pleasant emotion but it is not based on circumstances it's not based on chance it is possible to be blessed and experience blessedness regardless of the circumstances that we're in and that's the that's the goal of uh, life for the Christian in the kingdom, and is that is that we can experience this? So let's let's begin to unpack this particular 
uh, beatitude. Uh, and the first thing we want to look at is the meaning of hunger and thirst. Uh, now, it's actually, it means pretty much what you think it means. Uh, uh, it's, it's a pretty straightforward statement. Hunger uh, is uh, one who is starving for food. Uh, now, these, these terms, though, again, we're talking about the Greek New Testament, the New Testament written in Greek, and so Greek has several words that can be translated uh, into single English words. And so the Greek word for hunger here is the one, one who is starving. It's not just a pang of hunger because you missed lunch. Um, the, it, it, is, it is one who is starving for food, and thirst is one who will die if they don't get a drink of water. Um, the Old Testament, it's almost a quote from the Old Testament. Um, Psalm, uh, Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for water, so my soul does thirst after you. It's the idea of, a, of an animal uh, who is going to, going to pass out if, it, if they don't get a drink of water, and they're longing and they're striving for this uh, water to, to quench their thirst. So hungering and thirsting is describing a person who desperately longs as a starving man seeking food and desperately longs as a thirsty man seeking water. And what they're seeking is as blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now we're going to dig into this thing a little bit further than maybe what, uh, what, what you're used to, but we, we need to begin with the verb, okay? Um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That would be a, more of a King James rendering of the verb. Probably more modern English translations would read, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But that verb there is very, very important. Because if we don't understand the, the true uh, impact of what that verb says, then we get some things out of order or we get some things out of priority when it comes to the business of righteousness. So, I'm going to take a little Greek lesson here. Uh, anytime you have a verb in Greek, it is usually followed by a, a genitive case. I'm, I, I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but, but it, it's a, uh, it, it gives you a further insight into the meaning or the strength of the verb. So here, for instance, a genitive case might be is that, is that I want something uh, for uh, hunger. I want something for thirst. A, a parative or a partial genitive case that would the, the verb the strength of the verb would be I want I want a part of something. I want a half a loaf of bread. Okay. Uh, I want something partial to to quench my hunger. I want a cup of water instead of the whole jug. It, so the, a, a parative genitive case of a Greek verb is going to be partial. It's going to be not, not, not a complete uh, whole. Okay, so that, that would be the genitive case for a verb. Now, uh, this is, in this particular case, the, the genitive case of the verb after or for is not partial. It is uh, direct. It is, it is complete. And so the verb is saying, I hunger and I thirst for complete righteousness. I want the whole hunk of bread. I want the whole loaf of bread. I hunger for the whole thing. I want the complete bucket of water. I want the entire stream of water. That's the strength of the verb because, and you only get that in, in, a, in, a, in an understanding of Greek grammar. Okay, uh, English 
you're going to get a verb like I, I hunger after righteousness, I hunger for righteousness, those kinds of things. And and the the strength of it or the the magnitude of it is can't can't be translated uh, directly with one word. Whereas a Greek verb with a genitive case can would take several verbs. It, it, it would literally be uh, I hunger and thirst for the totality, the complete. Uh, experience of righteousness. Okay, that now, if you if you amplified every Greek verb in the New Testament, you would have a book that would that would be a couple of feet thick. I mean, you know that you know that the, the uh, it's it's impractical to translate and and amplify every Greek verb with based on the genitive case. The the <laughs> uh, you'd spend all your time reading all of the adjectives and adverbs and things that go along with it okay so uh, but but the but the strength of this direct genitive case talks about it, that I am hum blessed is the one who is desperate as a as a starving man searching for food or is as desperate as a thirsty man dying of thirst and needing water for righteousness okay so the, the, the key here is the, the complete totality of it now we're going to spend some time on this concept of, of, of righteousness. What in, the, what in the world does that mean? Uh, scripture makes it pretty clear. Um, Paul, in the book of Romans, says there are none righteous. No, not one. Nobody seeks after God. You know, the, the, um, so that, that, that's a pretty critical statement. I mean, you know, that, that, uh, that and, and he's quoting an Old Testament passage in Psalms. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after the righteousness of God. And so um, it doesn't take you long to live in this world before you begin to realize that this world's kind of messed up, and and that there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't right, isn't righteous, and and a lot of things that go on that are not uh, right. And so the 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 meaning of righteousness here, we need to understand that in light of the the meaning and the impact of the genitive case of the verb, we are. Striving, blesses the man who strives, who earnestly desires complete righteousness. In other words, perfection. Now, how is such a thing even possible? Because if Scripture also says that nobody seeks after righteousness, how am I going to experience the blessing or the blessedness of desiring and longing for complete righteousness? Or perfection. Now that that that's a that's a question you might want to think on for a second. So we're talking about experiencing something that is a blessing of God, desiring something that requires us to do something or to experience something that is that 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 is a complete perfection. How is such a thing possible? We're going to unpack that. Okay, so that brings us to the meaning of righteousness. Okay, now. Um, the, the, the most important thing we need to understand is that righteousness uh, is one who has been brought into right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now this is very, very important. Paul talks about the gospel presenting and, and showing a message. It shows a righteousness that is from God. It is a righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. It is not of works. It's not of something that we do, uh, otherwise we could boast about it, but it is a righteousness that is produced by God uh, 
through faith when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, on, on the, there are different ways of, in, in theology, there are different ways to understand this process, this thing that happens. One of the things is called progressive righteousness, that when a person puts their faith in Christ, a person goes through confirmation, or they make a profession of faith. They, they, they do the things that their tradition tells them uh, it, that they're supposed to do to put them in right relationship with Christ. But, it, but behind that, there is, a, there is a, uh, a, a principle that is called progressive righteousness. That once you enter into that state, then you get more and more righteous as you go along. Okay, and that, and that you get more and more saved as you go along. And there are scriptures that they'll point to that, uh, that uh, seem to indicate that, you know, and, and that, that, that the idea, uh, some people would call that growing in Christ, some people would call that uh, becoming sanctified, all kinds of ways of describing uh, this progressive righteousness. Now, there are some truth to that. We, we certainly do get more understanding of what it means to be in Christ. We, we, get, we get more uh, experience about how to live uh, out the, the, the righteousness. But, it, but uh, I do not believe that we get more righteous as we go along. We, now, so progressive righteousness, when it, when it comes to salvation, we, if, if, if progressive righteousness is what a lot of people describe it to be, then we get more and more saved as we go along. And, and, that, and I don't believe that that's, that that's correct. The other doctrinal term is not progressive righteousness. It is called imputed righteousness. Now, Paul actually uses that word in, in, the, in the book of Romans. He says that we have a salvation where God imputes to us righteousness. Now, that is a financial term. It means to be credited. It means that, that we are, it's like a bank account, okay? Uh, that, that, that righteousness is deposited and righteousness is defined as right standing with God. And that's, what, that's the way Paul uses the term righteousness most of the time. That, when, that, we are, that we are in a right state with God, we are righteous when we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and by His grace, uh, when we accept by faith His grace, He declares us to be in right standing with God. That's how we can have a complete perfection, the full righteousness of God in one instant. Otherwise, it would be progressive righteousness. You're getting more and more righteousness as you go along. But this beatitude says, Blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts for complete righteousness. And so the, the, the understanding of imputed righteousness, I think, is a more correct understanding of the, the state that a, that a believer has with God. We're, we're not getting better and better in every way and every day. We're not getting more and more Christian. We're not getting more and more saved. We are saved completely when we accept by faith Christ into our heart and He declares us to be righteous. Now that understanding uh, uh, makes sense in light of the verb genitive case that is used here. Otherwise it would be something that would be very frustrating because the Bible says that no one's righteous, no one, no one does what God wants to do, and on the other hand it says that we hunger and thirst, that we're going to be blessed if we hunger and thirst after that situation. So if we understand that righteousness is imputed, that it is given to us when we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, and it is complete and full, then the other meanings of righteousness begin, begin to make sense. Because righteousness also means one who has been made brought into right relationship with Christ, but it also means one who uh, uh, 
seeks after that which is right and just. We have a sense of right and wrong. We have a sense of justice and righteousness. And so we, we seek after that and we want that. We want there to be uh, our behavior to be right and just uh, in God's eyes. The, the, the third meaning of righteousness in, in Scripture is one in which we have a longing uh, that, uh, that conforms to the God's revealed will. When, when we do things God's way. In James it says the, the spirit that he has caused to live in us jealously longs to be like God. The, 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 we, we want to do things God's way because we're saved, because the Spirit of God lives in us, we have the desire, we have the strong desire to do things God's way. And so right, living out the righteousness that is complete and full is a, is a part of what it means to do righteousness. Paul says that we have been saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. We have been created, and that has happened to us, so that we can produce and do good works. Do works of righteousness. That, that is the natural outgrowth of that. So the, the, the Beatitude says that blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Being in a right relationship with God, being declared to be right with God through Jesus Christ, who longs for what is right and just, and who longs to do the will of God, to fulfill and to obey God's commands. And it says that if, if, if we're doing that, if we have experienced that salvation and we're living that salvation out in right living, that we will be filled. Now, um, word filled there is filled to the brim. It is complete abundance that, that there, there's, there's no more room to pour any more in. And so it's a, it's a promise of, a, of experiential fullness of what it means to live a Christ life. It's hard to be filled if you get the understanding of righteousness in the wrong order. If you see righteousness as, I need to do right things to be right with God, I need to do good stuff, and I need, I need to keep on doing good stuff so that I will be filled, guess what? You're never going to be filled. It's always going to fall short. If, if, if we try to earn our right standing with God by what we do, then we're always going to wonder, have I done enough? But if we accept our right standing with God through the work of Christ, that he has declared us to be in right standing with him, we are free to do what is right, to live rightly, then the, the being filled and being abundantly satisfied makes is possible. And that's actually what happens. We, we recognize that our satisfied state, experiencing satisfaction and being filled because of the desire for righteousness is based on the understanding of righteousness in the right order. That, that righteousness is imputed and at, at salvation. And because of that, we can seek after justice. We can understand and follow God's will. So with all of that, we come to the meaning of the fourth beatitude and it's this oh the bliss of those who have who have brought have been brought into right relationship with god through jesus christ as one starving longs for food and one dying of thirst longs for water and longs for what is right and just and longs for whatever conforms to the will of god that is revealed in scripture for they shall be abundantly satisfied there's a lot in that beatitude. 
Hope that you're doing well this evening, and I encourage you to uh, spend some time in prayer with your prayer list. And we will look forward to seeing you again next week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.